Good to see you all here this morning. I trust God gave you a great week. Seemed like we blinked, and here we are again, Sunday morning, back in the Word of God. So it's great to see all of you here this morning. Um, Some we haven't seen for some time as I greeted you when you came in. I just want to say it is so good to see you. Thanks for joining us for worship this morning. I also wanted to say I know there's some that are logging in online right now who couldn't be here. Um, for a number of different reasons, we want to say welcome. We're so glad you're with us this morning. There's some tuning in on the radio right now. We want to say we praise God that you're tuning in and worshiping and studying with us this morning. So last week, we started a four-week journey, a mini-series titled Heart Healthy Christians. This is an overview look at our spiritual hearts from the beginning of the Bible to the end. I'm going to take just a second here for whatever reason. I'm having a little difficulty dialing in on this thing. There we go. We're up and running. So here we are on this journey, an overview look of our spiritual hearts, and what we're doing is we're taking this overview, we're starting at the beginning of our Bibles and going through to the end of our Bibles. This is just a four-week series, uh, so hold on, right? Here we go. Last week, we were primarily in Genesis. This week, we're going to be in the rest of the New Testament. So you're like, really? <laughs> 30 minutes, 40 minutes in the rest of the Old Testament? Well, put your thinking caps on, hold on tight, put your seat backs and tray tables in their upright and locked positions, because here we go. All right, we're heading out on this journey of the Old Testament. Um, What's the intention of this study? Well, so often is the case, and the Bible exposes this over and over again, so often is the case is we like to focus on looking pretty on the outside. Getting everything just right, as we talked about last week. Dotting all our theological I's, crossing all our liturgical T's, making everything just right on the outside. Hey, there's some good to that, but the problem is the propensity of the human heart is that we do all of that and we ignore. We kind of sidestep what God is actually doing in our hearts. Well... What is this? Essentially, this is a spiritual EKG that is meant to lead to a year-long pre-service study hosted by Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt Silva. Your dynamic heart in daily life. This is a pre-service study over in room 101, and I want to encourage you, if you can, make it to this time. March 28th, starting at 9 a.m., right over there in room 101. You'll go for 45 minutes an hour, and then you'll come join. We'll have our corporate service here. Because this is very important to all of us here. I mean, we're not here to mess around. We're here to grow, and that growth has to start in our hearts. Man sees on the outward, but God sees the heart. So heart-healthy Christians. As we looked at last week, Every human being not only has a physical heart, but also has a spiritual heart. This spiritual heart is who you really are on the inside. 
the center of your unseen person. This would include things like your mind and will and emotions. This is the center of who you are. Just as everything we do is a product of our physical heart. Every action we have is a product of our physical heart. If our physical heart was not beating this morning, we could not function. It's just how it works. How God's made our human bodies. Well, just like everything we do is a product of the physical heart, as the Scripture so clearly teaches, everything we do is also a product of our spiritual heart. The Bible is this two-edged sword, as we just prayed. I love this, because as much as we want to hide, or maybe we don't intentionally hide it. Some of you might be saying, here's my heart, Lord. Take and, and, and see it. Let me see it. Maybe that's how we're all praying here. Maybe it's not intentional. Maybe we don't realize, though, the inner struggles of our hearts. And that's why we run to the tried and tested Word of God, as we said last week. Last week, we interacted with this verse in short. Hebrews 4.12, the Bible is the two-edged sword that reaches deep into the inner heart, is a perfect discerner of the thoughts and intentions and these motivations of our hearts. So the story of the Bible is one that doesn't just fix us on the outside. we got to get this. The story of the Bible is not one to just get us looking pretty on the outside. To get everything to look just right. The story of the Bible is Jesus wants our hearts. And that's why we're doing this study. Last Sunday, we started at the beginning of our Bibles and focused on the corruption of our hearts. It was ugly. (laughs) To be quite honest with you, I I talked to some afterwards like, man, pastor, that was a bit discouraging. (laughs) Well, it truly is. When we see our hearts... Through the lens of the Scriptures, it reveals some ugly stuff. But I hope you realize that's why we ended last week with a sneak peek of what we have on the other side of your Bibles, the New Testament. A sneak peek at the fact that Jesus wants to change our hearts. Last week we interacted with this key truth. Although initially created pure, the human heart became morally corrupt at its core. As we observed last week, the most concise description of the heart that we can find in Scripture, I really believe, is proposed in this question-answer format by a guy named Jeremiah. Last week we started here. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the lamenting prophet. This guy's struggling with what he's saying, struggling with what he's supposed to say, struggling with knowing he will be rejected. 3,500 years, roughly, after the creation and the fall, to exiled Jews, we find this. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart is what? Deceitful. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then the question is answered in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the hearts and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. Last week, we clearly saw that these these two dual truths found in the beginning of our Bibles. Here they are. If you remember last week. The human heart is corrupt. Why? 
because of Adam's rebellion. But also, if you remember last week, we looked at this. The human heart is corrupt also because of continued rebellion. So the human heart is corrupt not just because Adam sinned as the first human. Brothers and sisters, friends, the human heart is corrupt because guess what we do every single day? Guess what we did from the time we were little critters? If you doubt this, we'll take a field trip up to the second floor of the administration building right after church. And I'll introduce you to a fine young lady named Emma Scott, who I often remind continues the rebellion of her mother. <laughs> I have to say that, sorry. And her dad. Mostly her dad. All right, so basically this, as we looked at last week, the human heart rebels against God because the human heart is corrupt through Adam. But also, the human heart is corrupt because the human heart regularly chooses to rebel against God. Well, today, we're going to set our sights on the practical struggle of the Old Testament. Here's the key truth for today. Because of its corruption, the human heart will struggle to respond to God and His blessing. We're going to see that today in, in short. To respond to God and His promised blessing with complete trust. Again, we will be exclusively in the Old Testament today remembering that these things are written. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11? These things, we're talking about the Old Testament scriptures, are written for our instruction, for our admonition. We can't just open the Bible and go straight to the New Testament and say, and now here's what I want to focus on. We have to see the story of the Bible unfold. We have to see the struggles of the Old Testament, the true condition of our heart in the Old Testament, and how it runs us right into the struggles of the New Testament and the need for Jesus. Let's start our discussion again uh, in Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, just prior to Jeremiah's hallmark description on the heart, the deceitful and desperately wicked heart, we find this struggle. It's clear. This description of what's happening in the human heart. Here it is. Verse 5 says this. The Lord, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an inhabited salt land. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, any of you have, have come across Utah <laughs> and the salt flats, Bonneville, all that stuff out there, and you're driving and you're like, wow! You don't want to be out there for like five minutes and you're stuck out there for three hours driving. And you see this barrenness. Well, there's this picture of this shrub out there, and I kind of found one similar to here. This shrub, this dried-up shrub, and this is the propensities of the, of the natural man who trusts in me. But then there's this comparison of this struggle happening in the Old Testament. Verse 7, Blessed is the man, though, who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord, he is like a tree planted by water 
It sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Right, this all comes right before this statement. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, know the heart, the examination of the heart. So very clearly here in this passage, we see there's this struggle of the corrupt heart. Through redemptive history, there's this vigorous, and I would say vigorous with emphasis, this vigorous study for the source of authority in the human heart. Even though God graciously reveals that He will bless those who obey His call and trust Him naturally through the deception of the wicked one and the corruption of the spiritual heart, man is being drawn to trust himself. To find his source of authority in Him. To find the source of authority in the self-absorbed creature rather than the sovereign creator. In a couple weeks we're going to get into the book of Romans and we see this battle of the human heart. However, through divine revelation, and this is the beauty of it, and I've just been overwhelmed with this today, through this week really, the long-suffering nature of our great God. Through divine revelation, the Holy Spirit of God has always been graciously drawing the hearts of God's people back to trusting Him. This is why we have passages like this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This was through through high school and college. This was what I would consider my life verses. Trust in the Lord, Andrew, with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge Him. He will guide your steps. He will make your path straight. 2 Chronicles 16, 19, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the world. Catch this. This is so good. The eyes of the Lord, they're running to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless. That word blameless, another way of saying that would be fully given, or some of your translations will actually say loyal. This heart is completely loyal to Jesus, or to God, to Him. The biblical fact is this, throughout all human history, God has been searching for hearts that are loyal to trust in Him. However, this is a big however, brothers and sisters, We can't ignore what we looked at last week. And just pretend that that's not there. The corruption of the human heart. Because of its corruption, the human heart will struggle. It will struggle to respond to God and His blessings with this complete trust. All right, the biblical fact is this. All, and I hope you're holding on with me here, all of human history can be characterized by a struggle of the wandering heart. The heart of what are you really going to trust? Who are you really going to trust? Me, God saying, or you, yourself? Okay, quick time out. Quick time out for some 
five minutes of theological clarification. Because if you're like me right now, your mind's going crazy in regard to two uh, theological disciplines. All right. Some of this, you might be like, whoa, we're drinking out of a fire hose for a minute. But some of us really need to answer some questions here. All right. So hold on if you can. We'll just take about five minutes on this. What about when it comes to pneumatology and soteriology? In other words, what about the working of the Holy Spirit and salvation, particularly in regard to Old Testament saints? What did you just say? <laughs> All right, here it is. Can someone be saved in the Old Testament, and was the Holy Spirit really working on people's hearts in the Old Testament? Oh, man, this is a fun read. Enjoy this, studying and digging into this, but I would say... Even though there's some good guys that would disagree on the nuances of this, I would say the answer would have to be yes and yes. Can someone be saved in the Old Testament? Yes. And how are they saved in the Old Testament? The same way they'd be saved in the New Testament. By looking to Jesus. Obeying God's promise. The rescuer's coming. The rescuer's coming. Look to the rescuer. And then, just like Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Putting my trust in this rescuer, the Messiah's coming, and then repenting and living a life that is in accordance to that. I, I mean, that's true. But then this question, was the Holy Spirit really working on people's hearts in the Old Testament? And I, and I think you'd have to say, yes. Yes. Two quick observations. We must realize that the Holy Spirit was truly alive and well in the Old Testament. <laughs> Please understand that. The Holy Spirit was not only involved in creation, we see that at the beginning of our Bibles, and was involved in revelation. Uh, God spoke to man through the written revelation, and actually at that point in redemptive plan through prophets. He would temporarily empower these specific people for specific services. That's what God did in the Old Testament. But beyond that, okay, that's where our minds usually go. If, you, if I were to ask you, does the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament? You'd say, yes, he temporarily empowered people for big stuff. But beyond that, think about this with me. What did Jesus Christ himself say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He refers to the Spirit of God working in people's hearts. So yes, the Spirit was in some fashion working on calling people and regenerating people, even in the Old Testament. But number two, we must realize this. We've got to get this in our heads. Yes, the Spirit was alive and well in the Old Testament, but we must also realize that because it was not yet the right time in God's redemptive plan, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament had not reached full capacity. Like, what are you talking about? Well, very practically, Jesus had not yet instituted the new covenant. Next week, we're going to talk more about this. In God's redemptive plan, look at it this way, in a very practical way. In God's redemptive plan, what he was doing through human history, it was not yet time for the Holy Spirit to shine. Although the well was producing water, the pressure tank had not yet fully kicked on. Look at it that way. All right? Although the car was rolling down the road in gear, that turbo had not yet spooled into action. <laughs> Ready to go. So we've got to think about that in terms of, I, one of the guys I like to read, Wayne Groom, he explains it this way, a theologian. The working of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was both, was both less powerful and less extensive. So, here it is. 
The Holy Spirit was alive and well in the Old Testament, but in fact, In fact, he was working on people's hearts, the hearts of believers. However, this working was not nearly to the extent of what we will find in the lives of every believer in the New Testament. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hold on, because that's where we're going next week. Be ready. We're headed there. I can't wait. My friend Frank every week says, okay, what hope did you give us? The hope in Jesus. Next week we're going to see as this Holy Spirit's work inside of our lives. A lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we, we get distracted by everything he, we think he needs to do on the outward. In fact, in this town, there's, there's some serious misguiding on this, what he's doing out there and what he's doing over here. And I'm going to tell you, the work of the Holy Spirit is primarily, primarily what he's doing in your heart, inside you, right now. All right, enough of that, Pastor. <laughs> Can we get back to the, on track? That was seven minutes, sorry. Now that we cleared that up, as clear as mud, let's get back to the struggles of the heart. Brothers and sisters, this struggle we are about to see in the Old Testament, here's the fact. It's real. It's deep. It is intense. The struggles of the Old Testament heart is meant to prove. Here it is. This struggle in the Old Testament that we're about to see. We're about to walk through the Old Testament and see the struggles of the human heart. Guess what it's meant to prove? We can't do it. (laughs) You can't do it on your own. The struggles of the human heart is, in the Old Testament is meant to prove that all of human heart cannot win on its own. The human heart needs someone far greater. Here it is. The human heart needs to be changed by Jesus. All right, now that you've been patiently waiting... Let's dial in on the struggles of the human heart revealed in the Old Testament, starting with this one. The human heart will struggle to love God fully. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I would propose this, argue it to a certain extent, that these struggles we find in the Old Testament, to some degree, are struggles that we struggle with every single day. Here's the struggle. The human heart will struggle to love God fully. Let's pick up with God's redemptive story in the book of Deuteronomy. So we're, where are we at in Deuteronomy? We're still in the first five books of the Bible, right? This is called the Pentateuch, the Law of Moses, the Torah. And at the end of the Pentateuch, we have this beautiful book called Deuteronomy. And in our minds, we think that the Law of Moses is a lot of times about getting everything together on the outside, right? All of the right uh, sacrifices, doing everything right with the Sabbath and all of them feasts and all that, get it all right. I'm going to tell you, the book in the Bible that talks more about the heart than almost any other book is the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, in the Law of Moses, in the Pentateuch. Talks of the heart. Who is this talking to? Think with me for a second. This is 26, roughly 2,600 years after creation and the fall. 800 years after Abraham. 40 years after Moses led God's people out of Egypt. And so we're flying through Old Testament history. What happened when God led his people out of Egypt? <laughs> you want a fun study with your kids? Look at the plagues that happened in Egypt. Look what God did is they crossed the Red Sea. 
But then look at the propensities of the human heart as soon as they reached Sinai and God gave them his law. What are they doing? They're messing around. They're bonking hard. I mean, then, then Moses leads them to the precipice of the promised land. There it is. There's the promised land. And what do they do? They send these spies in there and they're like, no, we can't do it. I mean, we're talking about a God that just destroyed Egypt. But he's a God that can't help them as they enter into the promised land. So what happens after this in our history of our Bibles? Well, you know, 40 years of wilderness wanderings. What is God doing? I mean, very practically, he's eliminating a generation of doubters. People that doubt from the heart. And so where are we at in Deuteronomy? We've just seen a group of people bury their dads and moms and probably grandparents in the wilderness. They've been wandering for 40 years. Israel, the children of God, these two million people, have just cleansed themselves from an entire generation of doubters. And now there's a new group of people who've read about this and heard about this. Not all of them have seen what had happened in Egypt. And now what does Moses say through, the, through God, through the Spirit? In a summary fashion, he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is called the Shema, here. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. It's not just about following the law and getting everything right on the outside. Love God fully with your heart. In this summary statement, Moses explains that the love for God is not simply an outward conformity to a set of rules. Love for God is a deep affection that first must come from our hearts. Moses is acknowledging that the human heart struggles to love God fully. Brothers and sisters, to be honest with you, this is no different for you and me in the 21st century. One of our deepest struggles every single day, even though we've participated in the new covenant, the propensities of our own flesh is this. It is to love God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is to embrace a love for God that is beyond skin deep, but it reaches to the center of who I really am. So the must-ask question is this, do we, brothers and sisters at Crosspoint, friends, do we, let's make it more pointed, do you love God with your whole heart? Not only will the human heart struggle, there's this wrestling match, the struggle to love God fully. Here's another struggle revealed in the Old Testament. As we walk through the history of the Old Testament, we find another struggle. It is this, the human heart will struggle to serve God faithfully. This is the natural outwork of the previous point, to love God fully. But it is seen specifically in how the next leader of Israel addressed God's people. So previously, Moses, who was himself not allowed into the land of promise, you remember the story. He addresses God's people. And tells them the second rendering of the law to this next generation. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Teach this to your children. Be faithful. 
Well, then think about the process there. Who takes them into the promised land? Joshua. We see this awesome conquest of the land. And now, jumping ahead to the end of Joshua's life, Joshua, about to pass off the scene. Joshua, this man of conquest, this man of God who's seen great things, this man whose heart didn't doubt as a spy. What does this man say before he passes off the scene? Look with me at Joshua 22. It's on the back of your handout. Joshua addressing here, particularly the, the three tribes east side of Jordan. But he says this, Only, I love how it's said here, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law of Moses, a servant of the Lord commanded you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and cling to Him. And then there's a phrase here that I want to dial in on. To serve Him with all your heart. What is the struggles of the natural man, the heart within us? It is a struggle to serve God fully. Am I in? Am I really in? The word serve in this context is talking about to work, to labor, to put effort forth. It's not just an outward worship. It's a labor for this king, for this God. I think this is shared so wonderfully again by Joshua to all the tribes in Joshua 24. I'm just going to read this. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, And I love this. You know it because it's probably on the walls of many of our houses. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's the story of the Old Testament? Not only are you going to love God fully, but are you going to serve God faithfully? The struggle of the Old Testament is continued as we see this flow chart. So now we have Joshua. We run right from Joshua into this time period in history. You know what this time period is called the Judges. If you want to read a book of the Bible and your head will be shaking the whole time, read the book of Judges. And you read through the book of Judges and you're just, the question in all of our minds is, man, when are you guys going to get it? Stop it! I mean, Judges is a tug of war of the heart. Obedience to God and then disobedience to God and the idols and then repentance and there's this constant cycle going on in the book of Judges and the whole question of the book of Judges is when is your heart going to be faithful to God? When are you going to serve God faithfully? In fact, we come to the end of this time of the Judges and right at the end of this time of the Judges we're introduced to this really neat guy. His name is Samuel. Samuel who also struggles at times in his life but Samuel says this in 1 Samuel 12. Samuel, as he talks to the people of Israel, verse 12, verse 20, he says, chapter 12, verse 20 says this, And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. This is this transition from judges to the kings. Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet 
Do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Verse 24, only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your what? Heart. For consider what great things He has done. Brothers and sisters, it's clear that through the Old Testament, there's this struggle going on. A struggle to love God supremely. A struggle to serve God faithfully. There's another struggle as we travel through the Old Testament of our Bibles. It's a struggle to obey God completely. So many examples of this. I mean, we're inclined to obey God to a certain extent. But then are we going to obey God completely? And, and I just want to preface what we're about to say is, this is real. There's some teenagers in this room right now. There's some young adults in this room. There's some parents in this room. Some grandparents in this room that are struggling with, am I going to obey God completely? Am I really going to obey what the Bible says? This God, am I really going to do it? That's rooted deeply in one of the leaders of Israel. Saul. (laughs) Saul, this man who stood above all these other people. Saul, this first king of Israel. And Samuel, as he transitions God's people from the judges, the time of period of the judges, into the period of the kings. Here's what we find. Samuel wants to be committed to God, but he doesn't obey God completely. This Saul, or sorry, Saul, fragrant, fragrant, flagrantly, Probably fragrantly too. (laughs) Flagrantly disobeyed God. And he unlawfully administered the burnt offering in the place of the priest. He disobeyed God. And and listen to the confrontation. Uh, Hang with me. The confrontation of Samuel to Saul goes like this. It's on the back of your handout. 1 Samuel 13, verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. (laughs) You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. It's almost like twice Samuel is saying to Saul, God commanded this to you. Yes, he commanded it to you. You disobeyed. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue, Saul, The Lord has sought out a man after his own what? Heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The simple point is this. Even God's leaders in the Old Testament are evidence that the human heart struggles to obey God completely. All right, let's think about where we've been. The human heart struggles. I mean, kids, let's think about this together. The human heart struggles to love God fully. The human heart struggles to serve God, to work for God faithfully. The human heart struggles to obey God completely. Kids, it's like when your mom and dad say, yes, go in there and clean your room. You clean three quarters of it, and it's clean, and you come and tell them, no, it's not done. I mean, that's as simple as we can say it. It's not done completely. That's what our heart is sometimes to our God. To obey God, but not incompletely. 
There's another struggle, and I'll move quickly through this. It's the struggle of the heart to submit to God humbly. Okay, we're running through Old Testament history. We go through Saul. Who comes after Saul? A man after God's own heart, and his name is David. We find this in the life of David, just like almost every single king of Israel at the height of his glory. We find David succumbing to the pride of his heart. This man after God's own heart even struggles. He struggles with his own pride. And you remember the story. David arrogantly committed fornication with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed. This is a big deal for a man after God's own heart. You remember the story, 2 Samuel 12, when Nathan the prophet stands before him and acknowledges this struggle? Even though you're king of Israel, you are the man. I mean, I I don't know, someday I'm hoping to get a replay of that. Nathan and his bony finger pointing it at David and saying, dude, you're the one. But then we see this struggle real in David's life. But praise God, we have an example of how he responded humbly. What am I talking about? Psalm 51 in your Bibles. How did he respond? Verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I want you to think of verse 10, and this is on the back of your handout. How does David respond to this pride in his heart? Create in me a clean what? Heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Verse 17 of Psalm 51, David acknowledges this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. What is this? The story of sin of King David is a testament to the fact that the human heart is susceptible to pride. We are all susceptible to this pride. Two more quick highlights. More could be said about each one of these. Let's look at this one. The human struggle in the Old Testament is a struggle to seek God attentively. To seek after God and seek after God and seek after God. Again, we're with our friend Jeremiah, the one who said the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah ministering to people that have been exiled, kicked out of the land. And we find here this interaction of repentance. Strong similarities actually to Deuteronomy 4 and Jeremiah chapter 29. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, we, says, we find this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We're going to ground that next week in the context of the New Covenant believer. But in this passage, that highlights both the long-suffering grace of God and the necessity of human repentance. God, get me back on track. This reminds me of what the psalmist claims. Uh, one of those verses that I think every one of us could, could take a dose of every single day. Psalm 119, 9-11 in your Bibles. The psalmist says this, How is a young man going to keep his way clean? By taking heed thereto according to the Word of God. By guarding it according to your Word. 
With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I stored up. Have I treasured? Have I hidden in my heart that I won't sin against you? As we close out our quick journey through the Old Testament, we can't ignore one last struggle. It's going to bring this up. One last struggle. Here it is. The heart will struggle to worship God exclusively. There's a powerful passage from one of Jeremiah's contemporaries. We're talking about Ezekiel. Through God, Ezekiel nails it. What's the problem, Israel? What's the problem? You've been kicked out of the land again. What's your problem? What's very quickly characterized, seen in verse 3 of Ezekiel 14. Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts. Ouch! They have just embraced idols on the outside. It's the idolatry of the human heart. And said a stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? This is conversation with God. Verse 6, Therefore say to the house of, the, of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. What's the point here? What is this? The human heart will struggle with idols. It's not all about setting up these wrong priorities in our, in our lives and our, the wrong things we pursue in our lives. It's first of all, the idols that creep into our own hearts. The idolatry of our heart. I think a bad example of this is what happens in King Solomon's life. You guys remember what Proverbs, King Solomon penned a lot of these Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Remember what Proverbs 4.23 says from Solomon, I believe. I mean, it's pretty closely you can say with certainty that it is Solomon. Here's what he says. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Remember that verse? Okay, think with me through the life of Solomon. We I mean, don't have to go very far to realize that the struggle's real in Solomon's life. This guy who says, keep your heart with all diligence, is the same one in 1 Kings eleven four 4 that we read. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. What's the point? The propensities of the human heart is to struggle to worship God exclusively. Lest we think it's all bad news in the Old Testament, I want to give you a good example. I love this man. Actually, when I was, this is ridiculous, when I was in the seventh grade, uh, a little critter, this is the first sermon I ever preached. <laughs> Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. This has stuck with me the whole way. What's the point? Daniel had been uprooted from Israel, placed in Babylon. And here's the point. You can change my name, you can change my location, but you can't change my God. I'm going to worship him exclusively. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And I would say we could use a good dose of that on our sports teams. We could use a good dose of that in our schools and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods. We purpose in our hearts that we will not defile ourselves. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, how quickly 
Do idols creep in our own hearts? Friends, we come to the end of the Old Testament. All right, we did it in 40 minutes. Sorry, 45 minutes. A little longer than I told you. And we come to end of this brief snapshot to the Old Testament, and it's very clear that there's a heart that is struggling. This heart struggles. Why? Because this heart is corrupt at its very core. When we go through the Old Testament, we see struggle, 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 failure, failure, failure. But quite honestly, brothers and sisters, that's the point of the Old Testament. The point of the Old Testament, especially the Mosaic Law, is you can't do this. You can't do it on your own. We desperately need something bigger than us to help us through the struggles of our hearts. We cannot do this on our own. Our hearts need to be rescued. And who do our hearts need to be rescued from? Our hearts need to be rescued from us. Our hearts need a Savior and a Comforter. Here's what we need. We need a Creator to give us a new heart that obeys. Here's what we need. We need a Savior to conquer the sins in our hearts. Here's what we need. We need a Comforter to empower a changed heart. And where does all of this come together in our Bibles? It comes together in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Back to our friend Jeremiah. We're getting close to Jeremiah here. But I love what he says, Jeremiah 31. The promise of this new covenant secured by Jesus. Here's what Jeremiah promises. God promises through Jeremiah. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, No, the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. There's a lot in this passage, but we get a glimpse of this already not yet theology where Jesus Christ has instituted this new covenant. And where does that new covenant start? In our hearts. Jesus is changing our hearts. Please come back next week as we see how Jesus conquers the sins in our struggling hearts. We can't end with that, though. So what? So what? what? What do we look at today? Pastor, that's two weeks of discouragement. Well, what have we done? This spiritual EKG through the Old Testament is helping us to realize that we can't do it on our own. And so we need to ask this question. Are we being honest with the struggles of our own hearts? Can I make this very practical to you? Very pointed. Are you being honest with the struggles of your own heart? So quickly, we like to ignore this true condition of our hearts. I'm going to propose to you, just as I said a little bit ago, that even Gentiles in the 21st century A.D., even as believers, the same type struggles are found in our own hearts. Next week we'll see the difference, though, what the Spirit's doing in our hearts. But here's the question. Are you honest about the struggles in your heart right now to love God fully? Your struggles to love God fully. Are you being honest with the struggles right now to serve God faithfully? 
that struggle in your heart? Are you honest about the struggle in your heart right now to obey God completely? Not partially. Completely. When God says it, you obey it. Are you honest about the struggle in your heart right now to submit to God's lordship fully? Are you honest about the struggle in your heart right now to seek God attentively? Are you honest about the struggle in your heart right now to worship God exclusively? Last quick question. In a world that ignores God, please ask yourselves this. Will I commit my heart to completely trusting Him? Will you commit your heart to completely trust in Him? Back to our friend Jeremiah. The shrub in the desert versus this tree by the waters. Will you commit your heart no matter what it takes, no matter what God reveals is wrong with your heart, that you will trust God in the process? Simply this, will you trust the only one who can truly change your heart, change you from the inside out? As we will hear more of next week, friends, don't miss it. Friends, please be here next week. Unless you want another two hours right now. (laughs) Friends, don't miss next week because here's what we're looking at next week. This one we're looking for to change our hearts is Jesus. God, I thank you for the time we could spend in your word today. God, it gets dark, it gets deep, it gets intense in the Old Testament. It's troubling. It's frustrating to a certain extent. But I praise you that what you're doing is you're promoting who you are and who we aren't. What we saw today is the source of authority cannot be on our own, in our own strength, because we struggle. We have hearts that are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. God, I pray that we would be honest with our hearts. As we travel through the Old Testament, our Bibles, God, very quickly we see that these struggles are deep. They go beyond simply fixing things on the outside. It goes to real life struggles inside. And I pray today, Father, that we would be a body of believers that are committed to being changed from the inside out. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, there was a lot that was said today. We did this massive overview of the Old Testament scriptures and we saw these struggles in the heart. My prayer, my, my question right now is this, would you pray just we, as we started open the service that God would reveal the true nature of your heart? Would you pray that God would reveal the struggles in your heart? help you to be honest this just makes the gospel so much more beautiful to me That God Almighty in His kindness, His loving, His long-suffering nature sees a group of people that are corrupt at their core, that struggle daily, that even though He gives them revelation and blessings, they, they struggle with obedience. 
this is a God who still, we find this in truth in the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Even through the nonsense of what we find in the Old Testament, the struggle of the hearts that we often become proud and say, what's your problem back there, Old Testament? That's the problem of our own hearts. But here's the, here's the fact of the matter is, Jesus came to save sinners. I love what Paul says. He came to save sinners and I am chief. I am chief. There's some of you here right now sitting here that, that you're saying, man, pastor, that was a lot. You said a lot of words today. Most of it made sense, but not all of it. Some of you kids might be saying that right now. And I would, I would just want to summarize it right now with this. You were born into this world as a sinner with a corrupt heart. God sent Jesus to clean that heart, to rescue you from your depravity. So what does God call us to the scriptures to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. This belief in the scriptures is, is authentic belief that touches every area of our life. It's not some mental assent, recognizing that God is a God and Jesus is a Jesus. No, God is my God. Jesus is my King. He's my Lord. He saves me. Some of you might be struggling with that this morning and I would call you I challenge you this morning, call on Jesus to save you today, would you? There'll be some at the end, some chaplains here willing to pray with you and answer some of your questions. I would encourage you, don't go another day with these questions unanswered in your own mind. Call on Jesus to save you today. So God, we thank you for the time we had in your word today. It was a lot. It was heavy. But I praise you, God, for the attentiveness of your people here today. And I pray, God, through all of the material that we walk through today, you would overwhelm our hearts with your grace and mercy and kindness shown to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we could be together here to praise you and to learn today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I truly want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for your attentiveness today. We went through a lot, and you held on. There's some kiddos in here that did phenomenally today. Good job, kiddos. I will say there's probably some questions, parents, that your kiddos might have. Please do not neglect those questions. There's a great opportunity this afternoon or tonight to go say, hey, what did pastor talk about today? And to walk through those things with them. Some great time this afternoon to go back through and read through some of these same statements we made today. But thank you for your attentiveness today. I gave you a lot of homework for this week. Some of you came today ready to share of your resources. We're not going to pass the offering plates today. There's boxes at the back. Um, but we're going to close out with a word of praise to our Lord as we look at the heaviness of the heart and the scriptures. We look at this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. <laughs>